Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell that there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language, and with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from vexing vandals to vilified vixens. And today, we're talking about homebrew. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> Okay, Brian. What up? Today, uh, today we're gonna break some rules. We're not making beer. What? Oh <laughs> God, no, no, we're not. We're not homebrewing beer. Although that'd be nice too. That fucking sounds amazing to me. Um, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna be talking about reflavoring and homebrew, um, which basically is going outside of the boundaries of the books and making up our own shit. So that's I, I, my favorite. Yeah, it's it's fun, and I think it's a, it's a backbone of what makes Dungeons and Dragons what it is. Um, for this episode, uh, you know, I usually do notes for my episodes. You know that. Uh, I think the audience knows that. Uh, and I did do notes for this uh, episode, but because of the nature of the subject, and because it's not like uh, I got a bunch of lore I got to talk about or whatnot, mm-hmm. I figured we'll just talk about it. Like I do have notes, and I you know I'll pull subjects if the conversation lulls. But I think we could just talk about. Reflavoring and homebrew, and what we do as DMs, what yeah. we've seen. Um, we, I think, b- between the two of us, we've got uh, enough uh, experience in those departments to carry yeah. carry the conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think I think so. And uh, I think we'll talk about reflavoring or reskinning, depending on how you want to call it. It's the same thing. We'll talk about that first, and then we'll get into the homebrew because one is a lot easier and uh, I think more intuitive than the other. Um, but one thing I want to talk about before we get into reflavor and homebrew is it was only because I read an interesting post. It was on on Reddit actually, um, decrying uh, homebrew specifically, reflavoring a little bit, mostly homebrew. Um, and I didn't agree with this post at all, but I thought it was interesting and it's a totally valid opinion. And um, I never really thought about it like this because the person basically said like, why is 
just ignoring the rules and doing whatever you want so encouraged in Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop games in general. Right. Uh, we don't do that in other games, generally speaking. I mean, everyone homebrews Monopoly, but people who are doing that are doing it wrong anyways because <laughs> that's, Monopoly is supposed to be a game of, it's a war of attrition and like resources are supposed to be scarce so you can't have a fucking lottery in that free parking space. So, yeah. That's that's a different conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Um and uh, so, so yeah, we don't really do that in other games because. And this person, well, like stated, in video games, you can't. In I mean, video games, like, you can't. Some of the mechanics True. are just locked down in some games. They're not meant to. To do this absolutely, absolutely, uh, I, that's absolutely true. But this person also said, like, isn't it a little not just arrogant, but isn't it also a little disrespectful to the people who spend years and years crafting the mechanics to balance this game, and then we just go and ignore it? And again, like I said, I don't agree with this. But I thought it was interesting, and I never even thought about it like that. Hmm. And here's the thing. I, I don't think it's it's disrespectful in any way, and and I think that it's not arrogant either. Well, um, don't we... I, I know that we've had, like, explicit permission to do such from the creators, right? True. Yeah. But it, it hasn't always been like that. Like, 4th edition, I think Homebrew was super kind of discouraged, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, I can see why. It's very video game-esque where you don't want to break the mechanics because they're... They're so well thought out and balanced. That is true. And, and, and they, but it's more, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg in that scenario. It's like, which came first? Like something that was difficult to homebrew called 4E or did they make 4E difficult to homebrew? Okay. And I think they made 4E difficult to homebrew because of what happened with 3.5. So with 3.5, uh, they were very, they open sourced it. I don't know if you know that, but 3.5 was open sourced. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. It was actually, uh, there was a whole bunch of, uh, third-party uh, content creators. Okay. And Homebrew was rampant, and it was awesome, and people loved it. Uh, but because they open-sourced it, they gave birth to their greatest nemesis and uh, competitor, Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah. Which basically took 3.5 and made it better, and 4E didn't do so well, and uh, Pathfinder did amazingly well. So The numbers are really big in Pathfinder, right? Like in uh, 4E? Yeah, just like 4E, just like 3.5. The numbers get big. There's a lot of power creep. There's, you know, all a lot of the same issues. But the point of, of all this is that, like, after that happened, uh, um, Wizards of the Coast got really protective of their of their baby, if you will. And uh, yeah. they weren't a big fan of, like, third-party stuff and whatnot. So I think Homebrew was a little bit discouraged at that time. But now, as you said, it's very explicitly um, allowed, encouraged. encouraged. Yeah. yeah. It, the, fuck, it's in the... Uh, DMG, it, it teaches you how to homebrew shit if you want to. It encourages it uh, greatly. And um, and I think that homebrew just makes sense because if you think about it, like where the DM's already automatically homebrewing a world. Yeah, I'm, like, cre- I'm, I'm creatively building yeah. a campaign. Exactly. So, like this, I'm already in the realm, the, I've already got one foot in the door for homebrew. Absolutely. I mean, this game, in, in, you know, we call it a game, but it's, it's this creative process. It's almost like an art form. And, uh, you know, when the rules are here to help us start creating, but once we get going, we get going. And yeah, we have a basics for physics in this world and exactly. things like that. And like yeah. what the numbers, like we're rolling off of a D 20 and yeah. what that means relevant to like what the stats are. Right. And, um, and just to kind of wrap up this whole conversation, then we can dive into actual reflavoring is, um, Gary Gygax, who create was one of the two creators of this game and probably the sole, the main creator, I would say of D and D. Um, has a very famous quote, and I think it, it, it speaks to homebrew and reflavor very strongly. And he said this, and this was, 
it is said that he said this in a business meeting, um, you know, in one of his private business meetings as they're developing like uh, more D&D content for, for sure, their, yeah. uh, con- um, customers. And the quote is, the secret we should never let game masters know is that they don't need any rules. And it's because like if they realize that they can just make whatever they want, they won't buy our stuff. Yeah. And, but uh, honestly, it, what he's saying is like, homebrew is not just allowed like that is the heart of this game i mean essentially they're building uh they're building these mechanics in like a homebrew-esque way exactly it's it's the same process now i will i will say this like uh, on on the subject of is it arrogant to just homebrew shit and ignore like the years of work these content creators put into balancing the game um Maybe I, I wouldn't call it arrogance, but it is dangerous. And like I, I would all, always, say, I always say like always try reflavoring first, and then if you're really not getting what you want, then go to homebrew because people did spend a lot of time. So like, whatever you make probably isn't going to be as mechanically sound. Yeah, I mean these are professionals, and they yeah. we like we're playing D and D. We obviously like the product. Exactly, we, we like D and D. That's right. why. Like these rules are good for us and, and mm-hmm. we enjoy them. So that's why we use them. And, and like, oh, maybe I don't want this creature to be uh, um, like this image. Maybe I just want it to look like this. Right. But, right. You know, that's easy enough to do. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, so, yeah, just going forward, like that's my that's my take on this whole thing. So cool. reflavoring. Basically, what, what is reflavoring? Reflavoring uh, to me is you're changing the fluff of a monster, an item, um, maybe even a mechanic. I would think for me, a lot of times it's a mechanic that I'm refluffing. Yeah, like a tweak or a, or, yeah. or a total scrape of one aspect of the the overall mechanic, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like you want to, oh, this thing needs better decks or something like that. Yeah, it's, okay, that's technically homebrew, but yeah, it's we're getting a small into... enough of a tweak that you could call it a reskinning, if you will. Uh, but for me, reskinning or reflavoring is like you're leaving the mechanics uh, completely intact the way it was, and you're just changing the look. And the, the the closest for me, and that you'll get to changing mechanic is maybe changing cold damage to fire damage. Because you you're not really changing much there. You just again you're reflavoring it. You're giving yeah. it a different spice than what it had before. You're taking that garlic out. You're putting in oregano. So, um, what what in in your experience? What what have you most commonly reflavored? Um, mostly creatures, um, mm-hmm. like for, for combat. Yeah. I purposes. think that's the most common one. I think it's almost unavoidable, quite frankly. I mean, yeah, you're, you could, uh, you could go vanilla. I, I personally don't like going totally vanilla. I like, mm-hmm. I like D and D, which is, you know, my, my take on this is like, I want to play D and D. I just want to play my version of D and D, which is right. like, dude, you, you guys took the time to make these mechanics and they're, they're really sound. I like them. Uh, I like rolling the D 20 and letting it decide our fate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I like the, how the damage I work and everything like that. I mm-hmm. do think there's a lot of balance in this game. Um, I haven't found anything totally unbalanced yet, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't explored too deeply. Yeah. Um, but what, yeah, what I really like is like, well, I like the mechanics of this creature and I like the, the damage, like the challenge rating. It's all mm-hmm. good. I just, yeah. It, I'm not in a place in the story where I have like a fucking giant serpent or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like I don't want a giant serpent. I want a giant hawk. I don't I was, know. The, the first thing I did was I had a. Uh, I was like, oh, the hellhound is really cool. But what okay. if it had fucking three heads? And I added right. Like, yeah. And I are. added the um uh. What's that fucking thing that Hercules kills? God damn it! Why do uh, I always do this? 
um, the Hydra. The Hydra. I, yeah. I was like, okay, it'll it'll take turns with its heads, like mm-hmm. fi- to take it'll take turns with its heads. Okay, so that was a little bit of reflavor, also a little bit of homebrew. Yeah, and, and you'll find they go hand in hand, and a lot of times when you do one, you'll do a little of the other. Yeah, and it's not yeah. um, that particular mechanic is not hard to just like plug into this monster. No, so I would say like, not. Oh, extra attacks, cool. Exactly, Boom. that's the thing monsters get in general throughout uh, fifth edition. So yeah, let's just put some salt on this bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so yeah, monsters. I definitely think that monsters are. Are the most common and like i said it's almost unavoidable because of the limited amount of monsters in the monster manual which is not me knocking the monster manual i fucking love the fifth edition monster manual it's the best monster manual i've ever fucking seen uh but that being said like there's only so many pages it doesn't have everything like yeah like there's only like five fey monsters what the fuck am i gonna do when if i send you to the fey wild no i gotta reskin shit yeah it, it um <laughs> if you're gonna go into the fey and you're only yeah. ever gonna see the same five things in the yeah. fey it's gonna get redundant yeah. so you're gonna want to go out there and like use your brain yeah and not just the limited kinds of monsters but like the limited crs like it's oh, yeah. like i said in fourth in fourth edition what was cool was you could take almost any monster whether it be orc or dragon and there was a version of it for any tier of play any level basically that you wanted so you didn't really need to reskin half as much in fourth edition i still did constantly but you really like it wasn't as needed as is fifth edition but reskinning is really easy um you just take a monster of the what i do is number one i look for the thing that is most similar first yeah, you don't want to kill your players. Yeah, well, yeah, like, that's unfairly. Yeah. Anyway, it's just like, uh, well, for example, like um, mobs are the easiest, right? So, like, I want my players to fight um, a bunch of gnolls. Yeah, sure. And maybe they're level one or two, and gnolls are a little bit too powerful. Well, lucky for them, I can do one of a few things. Uh, but I I will pick something that's kind of close to the same mentality of a gnoll, like an orc, or maybe like some of the more powerful, or like a hobgoblin. That's a, that's a good one. Oh yeah, I like those. Um, also in the back there are those. Um, it's like an appendix of um their their uh, NPC like archetype stat blocks in the monster manual. In the monster manual, yeah, I fucking love that appendix. Cool. It's so handy. Have to take a look at and that. there's like stuff like tribal warrior or like uh mercenary and stuff like that that almost sounds like it's meant for reflavor exactly that's well it's meant for when you're making an npc right right like you don't want to bother like rolling up a full character sheet yeah because that Um, can be time consuming but with that like again like you got a few options mobs i'm gonna have to go in there yeah yeah it's great um but yeah mobs are the easiest it it could be harder when you're talking about like more exotic creatures or like something you totally made up but um but yeah i start with generally what is the closest like Thing like let's say I want them to battle a manticore. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, that's the lion head and the wings. Lion head and the wings and whatnot. Yeah. What I'm gonna generally do is like they'll probably fight the manticore in its cave, so I don't have to worry about fucking flying. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I will look at a lion, which is much closer probably to the CR uh, or the challenge rating that lower level players kind of need to fight. Mm -hmm. And I will like take those attacks in that HP and that AC. And then I might get a little homebrew and like grab like a snake bite ability from some other creature from like a poisonous snake. And bam, mm-hmm. there's your manticore. Cool. A little bit, mostly reflavor with a, with a dash of homebrew in there. I did, so, uh, I did something similar. So the, um, the, what is it? The, not the Goliath, the, um, the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys in uh, one of our last games, you guys fought, fought a couple of gargoyles. Mm-hmm. I basically, um, well, we had one player miss, so I, I did a little. I nerfed these uh, gargoyles oh, pretty yeah, heavily. I yeah, um, yeah. I like 
flying is an issue for low level characters. You guys didn't really have a way to deal with that. You have like one range character, I think. And I think it's the bard. So (laughs) so bard bard did really well in that fight because of the range and like it's magic. The gargoyles are resisting the blunt damage and the slashing and stuff, piercing all that. Exactly. I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, because there's only one person that's going to, well, it ended up being two because then uh, like acid splash came into play with the rogue, uh, arcane trickster rogue. Oh yeah. 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 That was cool. That, was, that cool. was cool. Um, but basically like these things were aged, uh, th- and this is the flavor I put on them. They're mm. aged and their wings are like decrepit and they're like, not working as well as they used yeah, to. Yeah. They can, they could glide. So instead of like running around, they would like just kind of like kind of kick off a yeah. little bit and yeah. glide around the floor. And I scooped off a lot of their HP because I was like, well, there's going to be a bunch of players and like having I learned early in my DM career that there's if there's one monster and five players, that's a bad news bears because right. that monster's going to get flanked yeah. and dead real quick. <laughs> so I was like, hey, why don't I just scoop some HP off this thing, mm-hmm. make the attack basically the same mm-hmm. and make two of them. And then the players are split and they've got to decide what to do. And these go. these monsters can team up. You balance the action economy. Right. Yeah. And there you go. Like already you reflavored, you homebrewed. We're all right there. All in just a basic encounter. I think DMs are doing that every day. So again, like homebrew and reflavor is the backbone of this game. Yeah, That's I want to present so a challenge, but yeah. I don't want to. I find like some stuff in the monster manuals a little too powerful. It can be. Or, uh, or a little too or, weak. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. So I, I'm almost constantly like messing with the HP of a monster. Right, you got to tweak some stuff. I try um, not to do it in combat. That's unfair. Like I want to set it yeah. before I go into the situation. Yeah. Like, I want this battle to take a couple extra turns, so I'll just like pretend this hit didn't happen or whatever. Yeah, that's, and, that's and that can right. happen. Yeah. That's, that's called fudging it, fudging the rolls or fudging whatever. And honestly, keep that super sparing. Oh yeah, but I don't like also doing that. that is a tool in your DM arsenal to use when you absolutely need to. If like if you truly meant for something to be very challenging, and like it's getting stomped so hard, it's not even remotely challenging. Like oh, I fucked uh, up. Maybe boost it a little bit <laughs> yeah. just to make it slightly challenging. Like Jesus, like there's no accounting yeah. for like. Uh, player ingenuity, player, uh, you, player well, you uh, cleverness. I mean, you can't account for it. Hopefully, you do, but like you you're not best. always gonna get it. Yeah, so. and that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes you want that though. Sometimes you want it to be something that's like scary, and they fucking trounce it, and like they feel great. You're like you're impressed as a dungeon master, and the story changes now. Yep, and all that's the NPCs fun. are impressed with that. Yeah, man. exactly. Take so. this gold, please. Yeah, Thank please. you. That was amazing. Um Reflavoring items, items and traps, I think, is even easier probably than reflavoring monsters because, like, you're literally like, you're usually going to find yourself in a situation where it's like, I want to give them an ice axe, but in the dungeon master's guide, there's only an ice sword. <laughs> Real easy, right? Like, you're yep. going to change the damage type. You're going to change the way something looks. Uh, with with traps, like. I would I would look. It's real simple, actually, with traps. Just look at the appropriate. Um, in in fifth edition, they don't have levels. They usually have like levels for traps. Oh, like a challenge rating, like almost like a challenge rating. Okay. They don't have that for for five e, but like uh, a pit trap does right. usually about a d tens worth of damage, right? Cool, cool. So um, find the traps that you, that are in the dungeon master's guide that are like of the appropriate damage level. Okay, and then skin it however the fuck you want, and it's it's all it's just a damage die and a saving throw. That's it. I uh, uh, so just make it up. That's that's interesting. I never go into the the DMG for traps. Mm-hmm. I only ever go into like history books or like 
That's cool. Lots of stuff is booby trapped oh, in, yeah. in the real world. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm just like, hey, I've heard of this. Like that's dope. Like a rope trap. Like yeah. a like a net. Like mm-hmm. that's super funny to me. Like oh god. Your players get caught net. in a net yeah. and they get dragged around or like they get hung by a tree or yeah. like whatever and they're just in a fucking net. Like in Star Wars that happens mm-hmm. in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Uh and they just gotta figure out what the fuck to do and they can't because no one they're like you're like We didn't plan for this. Yeah, you're like <laughs> yeah. you your limbs are pinned to your body and you like can't move and it's like well, you can't fucking move. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, for the listeners, my character got caught in a fucking net in the last game we played. It was really annoying. Yeah, and but I, for, I he went for, on a fucking murderous rampage. It, was, <laughs> it, it, it all happens. But I just um, basically, like, made that up, like, off the fly. Yeah, see, and what was cool about that is, like, it didn't even do damage. It yeah. It was supposed to. But if, uh, I would say, like, if you're trying to do uh, damage with a trap, which a lot of times you are with booby traps. Right. Again, just look in the DMG for what does the appropriate amount of damage and has the appropriate DC save and just reskin it to whatever historical trap that you were thinking of. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's items and traps. Cla- classes and race mechanics, reflavoring. This is the mo- this is the fun stuff for me. I do this shit constantly, all the fucking time. Uh, you come up with some most- good homebrews for, yeah. for races and Yeah, classes, they're fun sure. as fuck to do. And what I, for me personally, like, oftentimes I will have a character concept that is super fucking cool. And, like, with the rules as written, um, I can get, like, 80% there. Yeah, that's but like cool. there's that twenty percent of like uh, of um, of flavor that I it's just al- don't got. It's always something like I wish it did this. Exactly, right? I okay. wish that it seemed this way. And what I do is I just I, I work with the DM and I reflavor it and I come up with something really satisfying. It's fun, and I think some of the best character stories we got out there are some some reflavored stuff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some like classes or race or class combos that we didn't necessarily homebrew. But we reflavored and it changed everything. Um, so, uh, I mean, and we talk about this in, in a lot of our class breakdowns. Like in the Bard episode, we talked about the Ink Mage, which uh, which was the, the Bard that rather than use uh, music, he used uh, painting and had a paintbrush for a wand and whatnot. And that's it's cool. It's fucking awesome. Like, Hell he yeah. didn't change in mechanics. He just made it look awesome. Right. It's um, doing the same thing. Yeah. One time I played in a fourth edition game where we had a player who wanted to be a necromancer wizard. And there is a necromancer class in fourth edition, but mm-hmm. it fucking blows. It's oh. horrible. So what he did was he just ran an enchantment wizard and reflavored everything to be um, necromantic, if you will. So like he had uh, there, I forgot what the original at will spell was, but it was like something that uh, caused things to flee or get pushed or whatever. And so what he did was rather than it be an, uh, an enchantment that caught forced them to move away he had this bag of ghosts that he opened up and these spirits came soaring out and feared the enemy back and they all backed up hell yeah like dude that's fucking awesome that sounds like the turn undead for the cleric but it's an at at will and fourth edition means exactly that you do it whenever you want yeah that's that's exactly what it means cool and like and like that's fucking fucking awesome yeah he had a bag of ghosts and i think like one of his other spells rather than like uh, immobilize somebody like charm or with charm or illusion it literally made skeletal hands pop out of the ground and like grab them by the ankle so that they couldn't move. Oh, shit. Like, again, you've changed no mechanics, but you've turned this into something totally different, and it's awesome. I think it's really cool. Oh, man. Um, Do you, uh, like, being restrained like that, that would make me tired. Oh, yeah, that would wear me the hell out. Let's take a short rest. All right, short rest time. All right. <laughs> Selling a little...
or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the show where I forgot what we were talking about because we're resting. <laughs> let's talk about us now though. No, let's talk about you guys. Um... We have uh, something special to say about three of you out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do. do you want to break it down for us, Will? Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, we have finally drawn to a close our contest where we uh, were giving away and are, still are giving away uh, the three custom Hero Forge minis in the ultra detail plastic, and we have three winners. Hell yes! And I'm I'm going to announce them. We already announced them on Twitter, and they already know who they are because I've already corresponded with each of them. Um, they are at Starry Night RPG, at Shanzoko, and at Space Seeker 19. These three individuals did what they had to do. They tweeted out about the show with the hashtag DungeonCast, and uh, and now they got uh, a mini on the way to them. Way to go, guys. Congratulations. Yeah. And thank you, Will, for running that contest. Oh, yeah, Very no nice. problem. No problem. And, uh, do. Uh, I've actually, uh, so far, we've received two of the, of the designs so far, and they're both really fucking cool. Nice. That's all I'm going to say. I got to take a look at those. Yeah, they're really I haven't cool. seen them yet. Yeah. Yeah, you Sweet. should. Sweet. Um, <laughs> Well, thanks to everybody who uh, participated in the contest. Um, you really helped us out by tweeting out a link to our show and uh, hashtagging it DungeonCast. You can still tweet about the show if you'd like. We would really appreciate it, and it we definitely would. helps spread the word and gets uh, gets the show noticed, and uh, I like that. Do you like that? Yeah, I love that. And yeah, yeah we you like know that. What? Yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot to do that. You're right. Thank you to all the people that did enter the contest, because even though you didn't win, we really appreciate it. So Yeah, that, yeah. that's um, it. 
it speaks a lot to you guys about how many people were tweeting out about the show. Um, yeah. Really awesome. Um, man, dude, the numbers, they just keep climbing. So thank you to everybody who's new to the show that is uh, jumping on for a listen. Yeah. Really Welcome. appreciate you guys too. Welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about calling them dungeon casters. Is that corny? Yeah. Or maybe Dungeonites. I Dungeonites. Know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll put a poll on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, I don't know if that's still cool to do. Um, to Fuck call, it. We're doing call, it. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We're doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, for listening to the show. We really appreciate you making it to this part. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash the DungeonCast. You can find us on YouTube. Just search DungeonCast. We'll come up. All of our... Uh, all, all of our shows will be up on whatever podcast app you decide to find us on. But if you are finding us on iTunes uh, podcast service, please give us a rate and subscribe. That really helps the show get some traction, get noticed. And uh, we really appreciate it. Any kind of uh, feedback you got, um, constructive criticism, that'd be really awesome. Um, and yeah, I just can't say how much we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys make this possible. Thank you. Um, did I did I miss anything? No, I think we're good, and I'm excited. Let's get back to the show, man. I, I even need this short rest. Oh shit! Yeah, I did this for you. You're rolling. <laughs> I, fuck! I took <laughs> too much damage. Let's All right, go. let's go back to the show. The show. We are back. We're back. Um, and we got a little bit left to talk about when it comes to reflavor before we dive into homebrew. I want to talk about uh, reflavoring class in race mechanics because that's some of the most fun shit you could possibly do. And I'm going to I'm gonna talk about two of my favorites that I've ever come up with. Cool. I've come up with a lot. Um, my first one that I want to talk about uh, is a, a bard character, which I should have brought up in the bard episode, but I forgot because, you know, when we do an episode, I got so much going on. Yeah, we're just rolling. All. <laughs> we're just ta- we're, me and Will are just talking here. Yeah, guys. exactly. Um, so there was a point of time where... We, as as newer players, me and my group of friends thought it would be so much fun to run an evil campaign, which we will do an episode of running evil campaigns. They Sweet. are fun and they are cool. They're also a totally different type of challenge and honestly not what I would suggest for your general playing of game. I, I would do more one shots in that yeah, regard. Yeah, it's like a for fun thing, I feel yeah. like, every once in a while. Yeah. But who knows? And, like, uh, maybe you just, that's what you're about. Yeah. And so I... And y'all are evil. I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so I wanted to run a uh, a leader, because this was fourth edition, so I wanted to run the heal support for this evil team. And I was like, well, you know, healing is such a altruistic thing to do. Like, how do, yeah. I, how do I spin this and make it evil? Or at least make it not good. And that's, I wouldn't say this character was evil, but he was definitely not good. He was definitely chaotic neutral. And so uh, I like to call him my heavy metal bard. <laughs> and he was a tiefling, appropriately. And the whole concept behind him was that, like, he went to, like, this bardic university and he was really shit at what he did. He was not good. And okay. he was really jealous of like the fabulous Aladrin, like acoustic players that like would <laughs> score all the chicks. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so one day in, uh, wearing fit- like the shoulder puffs and shit. Exactly. And got, like the little neck. Boots. Yeah, ex- exactly. I don't know what those are called, but <laughs> yeah, I, but we all know what you mean. Um, he eventually, uh, stumbled across a book in the corners of the libraries of his college and it was a book of dark ritual and long story short in his fit of jealousy he sold his soul to asmodeus for rock and roll uh, <laughs> asmodeus gifted him a heavy metal guitar hell which, yes oh which i just called an arcane powered electric guitar uh because <laughs> in their world they don't know what a fuck electric guitar it's a built-in is built in amplifier and it, i i think i refluffed him so that like he was he he was basically he was a hybrid of the warlock and, and bar class cuz you you could hybrid classes in fourth edition cool and so um he uh, 
I made it so that like he had like this long like eighties style hair and like a <laughs> like glam band. I, yeah, exactly, exactly like a glam band. And I uh, I dumped his strength for mechanical reasons, but what I wanted was I wanted uh, him to look like shredded. Oh. It was all just the glamour, and he was just weak and scrawny as fuck. <laughs> so he's like shredded. He's got this eighties hair. He's That's got the funny. horns. That's really really. He funny. Uh, he dressed in like uh, black leather with studs, oh, and, like yeah. the combat boots and whatnot. Had the electric guitar <laughs> and like all his spells. He would just like shred and like fuck yes. Uh, I named him Bartimaeus S. Preston Esquire, which is a uh, that's a reference to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Nice. And I had him talk like, dude, yeah, totally, bro. Like I got. Got this man. <laughs> That's funny. That's how I was picturing the other bards talking at uh like oh, right, before right. you took you sold your soul. <laughs> yeah. And he just became one of them. And uh <laughs> cool. And uh for all his healing powers, I would have him sing like cheesy, like classic rock lyrics, like I don't know, like We Are the Champions. And, oh, right and on. Like that cool. to inspire his allies. Nice, nice. And uh yeah, Barded May assess Preston Esquire, my favorite bard I ever ran. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Fucking lot awesome. Of fun. Um, um, if you haven't listened to the Bard episode, it's pretty good. It, it, yeah, um, it, it actually dropped the day we were recording this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the my my other favorite and probably my most favorite homebrew or not homebrew reflavoring ever done is actually the character I'm running in your game right now. It's not the first time I've ran him. This is actually the second I ran him in an old game. Um, and I basically I, I took the paladin and I've changed it into like an infernal hell knight, if you will. It's really uh, like cool. a lawful evil version of the paladin. And there's not too much reflavoring here. There's there's mainly two things that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, or three things. The the main thing is that I've turned the oath thing. It still exists for him. Like D'Artagnan Bloodthane still has to make the oaths of his of his oath pact or whatever. But it's I, I'm treating it more like a like a sorcerer bloodline. It's cool. A, yes. It's the oath of his bloodline. Right. And so it's like, like Assassin's Creed style. It feels like a little bit to me. I've sometimes. never played that game, so I don't know. So like you go into uh, like an animus kind of thing where you relive. Because have you heard of the thing where your genetics will like carry on memories for you, like to your children yes. and shit? Yes. It's that. It's basically taking that idea and being like, you could relive this shit. Oh, right, right. And like be that person and like okay. understand them and stuff. So I, okay. I like the idea that like. Your ancestry is like genetically coming out, like in a magical right. sort of way, exactly. to like speak to you and empower you to like. Here are our powers. Like, right, it's really fucking right. cool. That's and that's some flavor, right there. Yeah, exactly. And exactly, I just reflavored the source of my power, not any of the mechanics. I think we're gonna ride that. By the way, like de- we're definitely gonna do that. Like for oh. your character. Oh that, yeah, if you're yeah. into I, it. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm super. Also, into play it. Assassin's fun. Creed. You have a PlayStation, right? Uh, I do. Really, I, do. I don't know what the most recent games are like, but. Really good game. I'll, I'll have to check it out, dude. My Pokemon trip has been so hard lately. I got no time for <laughs> true, shit else. True. But anyways, um, other things I reflavored about him was, well, to make him more infernal, all his radiant powers have become fire powers. Yes. I thought about doing fire or necrotic, but I'm like, that's not fair to just have a choice between two. And I like, like the when fire. It's appropriate. Like, I think we're going it, with it all kinda fire It kind of speaks here. to like your character's um, like passion. And, yeah, like, his disposition yes. is generally fiery. Um, he's he's a fucking jackass. Um, <laughs> and um, I think uh, the the last thing I think of off the top of my head that would be flavored for him was uh, the Lay on Hands ability uh, is a healing power. And he's a very not nice guy. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of any way outside of like straight up homebrewing a different feature, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I reflavored the Lay on Hands where that if that's he- like a D6, right? No, the way Lay on Hands works is it's a pool of HP I can gift however I oh, choose. Oh, is that how that works? It's five times from a paladin level. So we're level Ooh. three now, so I have 15 HP I can give out. Nice. Um, per rest? So, 
per rest, per long rest, I cool. think. Cool. Um, so I reflavored. His land hands works the same, uh, mechanically speaking, but the way I have it work in game is like it's physically fucking painful. And basically, when he heals, whoever or whatever he's healing is reliving the pain in reverse. Yes, and exactly. the wounds are. It's almost like he's reversing time on them. Yeah, uh, on their body. That's really fun yeah. to um, like. If you do that to an NPC, it's really fun for me to be like. Ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I also like. Uh, and I I, 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 do some things with him character wise where like he refuses other people's heals, mm. and he'll only heal himself when he needs to because he. It's part of his like his way of living is if I'm going to if I'm weak enough to need healing, I need to be strong enough to fucking endure it. Kind yeah, because he's all about being strong and shit. Eat these heels right now. Ah, yeah. So enough about I'm me. Better. Enough yeah. about me and my genius and my and my <laughs> genius. I'm kidding. That's not. But it's fun stuff. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about some of your homebrews or cool. reflavors, and then we'll jump into homebrew. I'm gonna start by talking about how I straight up did not do that uh, for my very first oh, character. Okay. Uh, I went I went with a very standard from the book. Um, Air, I've talked about it on the show a lot because it's my, the most experience I had being a player is uh, an Air Genasi fighter and I'm basically it's a battle master just going the standard route mechanically but like all of the flavor comes from like who I make this person out to be which is like the heart of character development I feel like you don't yeah. want to make like yeah. the same character over and over again yeah. you don't, like oh my fighter should be like adjust like you know like the knight stereotype or like um, right more, he's more like a brawler, like a swashbuckler, like, yeah. uh, and they do, um, like the most flavor I put on it is like, they like to do parkour cause it's right. fucking awesome. Yeah. I love to imagine cool. people doing parkour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but once I stepped away from like, I, that was me getting to know the game and like getting yeah. to know the mechanics and, and what's possible. Yeah. So I did a lot with the role playing aspect, but what I, what I'm doing now which was uh, me and Will did a 4E game recently, and it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time, and part of it was because we came up with this really fucking awesome character. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You say we. You you came up with it. Well, I mean, you gave me the tools to come up with it, okay. I guess. So, um, and, and it was it was a collaborative thing. All the players that were at the table, including the DM, were going to get together and talk about what would be fun to run in a game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what would be fun at the table? And I, I think that's a good conversation to have. Like, yeah, I agree. Especially with 4E, where it's like... You can be a defender or a striker or, a, mm. you know, this or that. Right. Um, so I made a dwarf uh, named Giselle Strongbear, who uh, I took the um, the wild shape abilities that um, druids get. And in 4E, they're pretty cool. I just said it's morphing time every time I did it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, but <laughs> I, I wanted to become a bear. But as I thought about it, um, I was very inspired as a young man by this tattoo I saw on okay. one of my friends. <laughs> it was a very, like, realism tattoo of the body of a grizzly bear that and like right about the neck, the lower neck, it starts to turn into a great white shark. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, wouldn't that be fucking awesome?" And, and I said, "Fuck yeah, it was. hell yeah, absolutely." <laughs> so my my female dwarven druid turned into a bear shark. Yes, and mechanically it wasn't different. It was the same, it was yeah, the same exact the same, stats yeah. and stuff. It but was it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool because like <laughs> I had like this grappling thing. I would like bear claw this person, and then I would start to like bite them with the sharks. <laughs> It would take a couple turns to get to the bite. Like you got to grapple then and that does damage. Next turn, you got to start biting them. So I think my favorite part of your bear shark was when uh, like you, you got your kill and you went into like a shark blood frenzy and you just started eating the dude. (laughs) And they're like, oh shit. (laughs) 
and then like they couldn't stop you and then afterwards you transform back into a person and then you start vomiting the yeah dude like my stomach is so still gross. full of like yeah. people a humanoid Jesus. i was just start vomiting everywhere. i was like this campaign turka took a dark turn real fucking quick what the fuck dude just uh, all this volatile and yeah. and um <laughs> decisive yeah. and and that's not necessarily great all the time so yeah <laughs> Yeah. No, no, it was it was great. It was it was it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, definitely. And cool. yeah, reflavoring like literally, you change no mechanics, but you turn it into a whole new thing, and that's what reflavoring is, and it's a lot of fun. Um, that being said, I kind of want to touch real quick on your on your original character who was just rules as written. He was also great and a lot of fun, and and I think uh, you're right. Like it's the character concept that's most important, not all the the flavor. Yeah, flavor um, is good, and fla- reflavoring as opposed to homebrewing is is very safe because the mechanics are still in place. Right. My bear shark, it seems like it should be more powerful. It's not though. It doesn't have to be, and right. it's, and we don't want to break the rules. You know, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to ruin the balance that's going on, or like like be more uh, aggressive mechanically than another character and, and like make that person be like, well, I can only do this. And that guy's a bear shark. And I am a bear, <laughs> I am a bear yeah. shark. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of not wanting to do that, let's do that. And yes. homebrew. Okay. All right, let's talk about homebrew. We're fuck the rules. We're homebrewing. Um, so five E is in my experience, the easiest addition to homebrew, almost anything compared to previous editions. They make it so easy in a lot of cases, like the tools are literally in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Like it's easy, uh, it's easy as pie to, to homebrew uh, background. They give you the tools to do monsters. Um, they kind of give you the tools to do races a little bit. Um, and there are some cool online sources to do that. But let's let's start from the top. We're going to do this in order of ease. Yeah, that's, um, that's backgrounds. Backgrounds is real simple. Uh, one of my problems with Five E is that backgrounds uh, there's not enough of them, um, and like. They're not, they're not, um, they're not as general or versatile as like the real world. Exactly. There's what, what do you, how many are there's there? Like, like 12. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you get skag, which yeah, here it is. Yeah. Uh, the sword coast adventures. Guy, yeah. yeah. For anyone he, that doesn't know what skag is. Exactly. But if you get that book, I mean, there's like another 10 maybe, uh, which sounds like a lot, but like, honestly, the, the ones in the skag aren't super usable unless you're running them in forgotten realms. Cause they're very specific. Um, and I find that I want to homebrew my backgrounds all the time. And luckily, it's easy as as hell. uh, All you got to do, just pick two skills that are appropriate for the background that you're creating. Um, Pick either one tool proficiency or language that is, again, appropriate for your background. And then the hardest part is coming up with the feature, which what I like to do is either take take a feature from another background and maybe reflavor or tweak it to be appropriate. Or Uh if that's not possible... It's not too hard to come up with one of your own. Um, yeah, it just has to make sense. Yeah, right? I think. Yeah, it just has to make sense. And I think in the interview we did on um, on uh, join the party, we we did one on the fly. We did uh, Fate Touched, which I, I'm trying to remember now. It was like the skills oh, we yeah, chose yeah. were nature and insight, nature for uh, you know when you're lost in the Fate, having to like find food and survive. Uh, and insight to avoid all the illusion and bullshit that yes. is trying to fucking kill you. Right. And then um, we didn't choose a tool, but I thought about it. I was like, oh, you don't need a tool. Pick up the language Sylvan because everything there speaks Sylvan. So you had to learn some Sylvan while you were stuck in the in the Feywild. And then for uh, for the feature, we just took the Horizon Walker feature from uh, Unearthed Arcana where you could find like... Um, you, it was easier for you to find portals to other planes of existence. We just took that and tweaked it a bit so that, like, after you found your way back, it's now very easy for you to find Fey and Shadow Crossings. And, like, it just as a feature, you're, like, if with 
if you you're given 24 hours time to to research and look around if there's a fair shadow crossing within five miles you will find it nice that's so, really cool bam background done when we did that like i think we did that in 30 yeah, seconds yeah, yeah. You, you you ripped that shit out like on the fly yeah i was ba- like oh fuck yeah. okay well backgrounds well. are easy backgrounds are easy um and, and they're a lot of fun and oftentimes like i i haven't like done it for any character yet that I, but i don't play a lot of characters i'm a dungeon master most of the time yeah does your but, background i think with that with that um fey touched it also uh implied that you have like maybe the pointed ears thing going on or like something else is there does, I, does a background usually have that kind of flavor in, like in with it that's usually a race can. thing oh well okay so i i we came up with the background but honestly i think we mislabeled it it shouldn't be fey touched the background should be um like Fey tuned, like uh, lost in the Fey, okay, or or Fey lost or something. Because the background is like, as as a young person, you got lost in the Fey for a very long time, and then you found your way back. Cool, that's your background. And only a day yeah. went by. And only a day went by. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. Oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> Five years um, gone. <laughs> so uh, let's move on from backgrounds. Let's talk about monsters. Right um, consider reflavor first. I'm I'm kind of going to say that for a lot of these always consider reflavor first it's just easier it's just going to save you time yeah it's and it like we said earlier it's safe yeah that being said there are uh as a dungeon master there are times where i always 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 homebrew and that's when i'm developing a serious villain boss battle or big bad evil guy mm-hmm. and always for my big bad evil guy some of the other ones maybe not so much but my big bad evil guy or girl my bbeg um, I will, <laughs> my BBEG will always be homebrewed. And sure. luckily with fifth edition, like the, the, the rules are right there in the dungeon master guide and they're great. They literally give you a chart, uh, which based off the CR, uh, the challenge rating you're looking for, it has, uh, suggested AC range, HP range, um, DC, uh, like save DC range, nice. uh, damage output range. And what I like it too, cause it's a range. So you can look at, kind of decide whether you want this to be easy or hard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, where you want your, your BBEG's, uh, weakness or strength to be. Right That's on. an official acronym, by the way. I didn't make up BBEG. Oh shit. Yeah. I have not heard that. Uh, yeah. I believe you. Yeah. Well, we're going to do a BBEG episode. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and so, so you got this wonderful chart and even, even better than that, there's another chart in the book that has a list of every, ability or every like feature monster feature that's out there cool like everything from like dark vision to like pack tactics to everything there's a whole chart so you can just look at that chart and like apply what you want and not everything that you want is going to be in there but i mean you're going to get yourself 80 percent there just by using these charts yeah and and after that you just fucking make it up that's the homebrew thing is like you don't have to do everything and you don't have to do anything yeah absolutely so, mm, homebrew, homebrew monsters. Have you done it? Have you done that yet? I haven't really. No. You just reflavored, right? Yeah, I mostly, just because I'm so, uh, I'm not, at this point, I'm not so unfamiliar with the mechanics of the game, but mm-hmm. I do trust the game mechanic. Right. And I don't want to um, do anything too rash right now. Yeah, it's we're that. We're all in a learning phase and we're in the first part of our campaign and this and that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I try yeah, to yeah I try to stick to it. I think I am going to get into that for sure. I don't see I don't see a way around it at this point. Right. Or what I want to do cuz like it's all about like what you want. It, right. You got to sit down with your players at the table and talk about what this is and what are we trying to do cuz if you're trying to run an evil campaign you got to like draw the draw the line somewhere and and figure out what's what. And that's where the homebrew can step in and really like help uh spice up the game a lot, I feel mm-hmm. like. So like 
are we going to talk about the Ranger homebrew? Um, we will a little bit. Okay. Um, I got one more thing to say about monsters, unless uh-huh. you got something to add. No, because I, I haven't really, um, I haven't really created a monster. I know I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. I mostly just um, reflate. Right now, there's a lot of ghosts and stuff, so I'm right. re, I'm reskinning stuff to be ghosts. Oh, right. You know. And yeah, reskinning is you, like I said. Think consider reflavor first year because ninety nine percent of the time it's just going to work out better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one last thing when it comes to monster traits, um, you got this whole list in the Dungeon Master Guide, just like I said, and you'll maybe want to make up some of your own. Uh, one place I would look if you're interested in doing this, I highly recommend it. Is Fourth Edition had some cool mechanics that you can just easily tag on to Fifth Edition monsters, uh, and I would definitely use these on my BBEGs or my big boss fight, fights of dragons. As a matter of fact. Use dragon as an example. Um, dragons in uh, fourth edition had auras about them. Like if, if you had a red dragon, there was an aura of heat around them. And yeah, if you for sure. Ended a turn within five to ten feet of them. You took five fire damage. Just no save, no nothing. I would consider giving an enemy aura of some kind that either maybe does some damage like that, or maybe causes some sort of status effect, or at least forces a save at least for sure for for fear, or forces a save for like stun or paralyze. That or reminds like that. me of um, uh, Ocarina of Time when you go into um, uh, Death Mountain and mm-hmm. you're in that temple or whatever, and you have to wear the fire tunic. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Otherwise, you're just taking damage walking it, around. Exactly. Uh, another uh, cool thing, a uh, cool trait you could tag on to any monster is in fourth edition, there was a mechanic called uh, being bloodied, which means that you are at now, if you became bloody, it means you've dropped to half HP or lower. Right. And a lot of monsters and even some player characters had some abilities or powers that could trigger off of being bloodied. And there were, um, there were, yeah, there were other stuff that players could do. Like if you're bloodied, um, I know our, um, what was Freeland's um, title? Like uh, warlord. Yeah, his yeah. warlord would like heal better if, if you, were, you bloodied. were bloodied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, for sure. So what you could do is like uh, a real simple thing you could do is like, well, this thing goes into a blood frenzy when it, it gets bloodied, so it like immediately, no matter what's happening, makes two attacks. For sure. Yeah. It's just like, shit. whoa, shit, shit just got real. Yeah, man. Um, so and I'm, blo- this I'm thing already basically at got, half or less. Like, right. that's bad. Exactly. This thing just got two, uh, two free rounds. That's like so. the opposite of when Mega Man bosses go to half health and they start doing, like, extra shit. They, yeah. like, mess up their pattern. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so those are things to consider. Let's move on to the next hardest thing, uh, races. Homebrewing a race. It's a little it, tricky. It is a little tricky, and I would really, really consider reflavoring at this point. Um, if There's you can, a lot of races. That being said, I have homebrewed, and there are, like you said, there are a lot of races, so it's, it, you can kind of find something and just reskin it. It shouldn't be too, too difficult, but sometimes you just can't reflavor it quite right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <clears> there are, <throat> like, like, if you think about it, all the humanoids, they're all, like, reskins of each other, yeah. more or less. I, I mean, mean, they're all humanoids. Right, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I've only done this once with 5th edition so far. Um, there's a really cool Google Doc that really makes it easy, and if I can possibly remember, I will try and link it in the description below, guys. Right, right. Uh, and if I forget, maybe someone tweet at me, and I'll remember. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I did it with uh, Shadar Kai because they don't exist, and they're one of my favorite races for Fourth Edition. I think they're dope as fuck. And um, nothing I reskinned was quite there. Uh, I mean, honestly, I could have just reskinned the Eladrin from D- from the DMG, but the Eladrin mm-hmm. is a really weak. The only reason the Eladrin works is because the elf main race is pretty powerful. So the Eladrin sub race off of it 
I is see. okay. Okay. But just taking the Eladrin and reskinning it would have been too weak. So what I did was I took some things. What what I did was I started by looking at the race closest to what I wanted, which was the Eladrin because of their uh, um, teleportation. Yeah, you know, they misty, get that step. misty step. Super so, handy. Yeah, super handy. And it's also Shadow Kai. It's what they do. Yeah. They, they have their shadow jaunt. So um, this is what I came up with. And uh, I, I just, I picked ability scores that were um that made sense for the race the shadow john i ripped that from eladrin and reskinned it um i decided to do a kind of a tiefling thing where tieflings resist fire i gave shadow kai the resist necrotic and then i gave them uh, a stealth proficiency um because i think it's uh is it elves no elves elves get a uh, perception proficiencies and orcs get just an intimidation proficiency and shadow kai are so naturally sneaky and shadowy that like stealth is just second nature to them right so plus two to dex plus one to wisdom shadow jaunt resist necrotic um auto proficiency and stealth bam race is done like it wasn't that make great rogues yeah and i think the shadow kai is pretty balanced it's it's definitely uh on the more powerful end of the balance, but mm-hmm. it's not overpowered as I, far as I'm concerned. I feel like it's one of the, one of the best rogues for sure. Like, oh yeah, it makes a great rogue. And uh, you know, like oh shit, yeah. like this rogue is going off right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and they should be. It's a Shadow yeah, Kai. It definitely. should make a great rogue. Um, I'm trying to think about anything else that would pertain to race reflavoring. Uh, that's really, that's all the experience I have. I, again, I will try and link that Google Doc because what's cool about the, the document is it breaks down all the available features that races have in this game mm-hmm. and uh, it attributes them a certain score. And basically, you want your race to fall within uh, a score, a final score of like 6 to 7.5. 6 being the weakest, 7.5 being like, oh, we're getting really strong. Like an elf falls on a 7.5 on that scale. For and sure. I think like... Okay. Um, I, I think one of the weaker races I can't think of what what they are f- fell at like six and basically it's like create your own you can like mix and match and do stuff and create your own race and and it's it's a really cool tool right on okay okay classes yeah really 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 <laughs> consider reflavor here first yeah I've, I mean the classes the class system yeah. it is a system yeah like, I've only technically homebrewed a class once it was the ranger and quite frankly. It wasn't even mostly my work. I worked with the original PHB Ranger, both of the UA Revised Rangers, and the UA Ranger that had the um, the Spellless Ranger. And I worked with some other homebrews that did um, their own Revised Rangers. And I used all of those, tried to create something balanced, and then even then I did come up with some of my own features. Like I gave... Uh, one of the things that for me when it came to the Ranger was that... I, uh, the spellcasting ranger doesn't vibe with me very well. It's not how I picture my ranger. Right. Um, and I, I I wanted to supplement some of that like damage output and utility uh, that the spells give the ranger. And by taking that away, I got to figure something out. So one of yeah. the things I did was uh, I gave the ranger the ability to make poisons and poultices. And super like, cool. Yeah, and so like they could uh, they could make X amount of poultices and apply those for healing, and X amount of poisons and apply those for weapons for extra damage. Yeah, put it on your sword, put it on your uh, your spike chains, exactly. put it put it on your arrows. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and if anyone's interested in that, tweet at me, and I'll I'll send you a link to it. Uh, I I think it's fairly balanced. Uh, we've played it was with it really for a while. cool to play with. Like, yeah, I was randomly mm-hmm. getting a poultice, and yeah. I was like, yes, heals. Yeah, it was cool. It and was cool. As I've said before, a little bit of healing in five e goes a long way. Right. 
Um, and and if anything, it was still underpowered. Like it was just better than yeah. The and you left some OG ritual Ranger. casting on there, right? That was one of the most uh, out of the box things that I did do was I gave them ritual casting without spell casting, uh-huh. and so because of that, I was left with a weird situation where I had to give them like a spell list, but they're spell lists, so I had to give them a ritual list, and right? Then, I had to go through all the ranger spells, find all the ones that were rituals, apply those to the list. It wasn't long enough, so I had to go through other classes' spells that were rituals that I felt fit, and then I applied those, and it still wasn't really enough, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to pick, like, two spells that technically aren't rituals. Turn them into rituals. And say, like, you can cast these as rituals. So basically, that means this takes an hour Yes, exactly. And, and you can sit there and chill yeah. for the hour, and then this effect happens. Yeah, and the reason that I, I, I wanted the ritual casting thing is, like, I I kind of picture rangers at, at, under a certain amount of mysticism, and I mm-hmm. figured if they do have magic, it's not the spell-casty, blastery magic. It's the kind of the, the esoteric, kind of weird communal. ritual, communal yes. with nature, and then, like... It's the kind of magic where it's like, did the spell work or is this happenstance? I, that's the kind of vibe <laughs> yeah. I want from the ranger magic. I think you landed on the mark with that cool. one. Cool, thank you, man. Yeah. That, that means a lot. And uh, it's the only only time I've done that. But if I were to approach homebrewing, this is what I would do <laughs> when it comes to classes. Um, step one, you need to decide whatever the fuck it is you're creating that doesn't exist in the player's handbook. What does it fall under? Is it a full caster? Is it a half caster? Or is it a non-caster? And dear God, don't pick third caster. Like one third caster, I'm not even fucking with that right now. Oh shit! Yeah, because okay. that's subclass. That's subclass shit, and I'm not fucking with that right now. All right. So, uh, what I would do is I would pick a full caster that's appropriate, that's the most like what I'm trying to make, and then I would take a look. You know how you have those class blocks where it shows you like their progression? Yes. I would take those and I would use those as templates. Okay. Like I would match those ability score locations. Right. I would look at okay. the features they're getting at certain levels and then I would uh have to homebrew my own features yeah, that are on the same level of whatever. Um my personal opinion, the best sort the best full caster to um to use as a template is a sorcerer. I feel like it's very general compared to so like I would not use the druid, which has like beast very form and a bunch magic, of other shit. Yeah. I would not use the um the warlock at all ever because that's a very bizarre <laughs> and weird thing. Yes. So the sorcerer I felt was like more generic and also like the reason I wouldn't choose wizard is because the wizard is so it's just all about spells. Yeah. It's almost too bland to use as a template. It's uh, about that which vanilla D D magic. Like yeah, the, exactly. the magic that you familiar yeah. with in the game yeah uh for a half caster i would use paladin i think the paladin is the perfect half caster uh more so than the ranger it really does a fucking amazing mix of both uh magic and uh like ability to fight in combat mm-hmm. and i like the whole concept of burning spell slots as a feature for other shit your yeah. divine smite in that case yeah really uh, cool. the main thing i think of when i when i would like homebrew uh half caster would be like if i wanted to do like a elemental blade like warrior Cool. Really uh, cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's something I would do. Um, third caster, no. Uh, non-caster is a little weird because you kind of have... You have the fighter and the rogue. They're both non-casters. are both drastically different. So depending on what you're making for a non-caster, um, I would just choose one of those as your template. Right. After that, decide your HP, what's appropriate. If it's a full caster, it's going to be a D6 or a D8. If it's a half caster, it's going to be a D8 or D10. Uh, if it's going to be a non-caster, it could be anything from a D8 to a D12, depending on what it is you're making. Um, after that, 
pick your uh, two proficiencies. Is it two proficiencies? Is that what? Uh, let's see. You get your two saves. Pick your two saves. Okay. Pick your weapon and armor proficiencies that are appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, like again, if you're making a non-caster physical warrior of some sort, like it's probably going to be like strength and con or something for their saves. Um, and they're probably going to get most military weapons for their proficiencies. Um, come up with a skill list that makes sense for whatever they are. Um, if you're trying to make the Avenger from fourth edition, like you're going to give it like religion and stealth and intimidation and uh, uh, sleight of hand, maybe I don't know. Okay, it's kind of an uh, a religious assassin kind of deal. Okay, I see. Um, after that, features good fucking luck. Like that's on you. Like I can't help you there. All I can say is, um, look at whatever class you're using as a template and go from there. Get creative. Get creative with it. Like this is you know if you're if you're doing this endeavor, it's an endeavor. Yes, and, um, and you you're taking you're taking yeah. you're shouldering this burden. Yeah. You got to come up with something. And right? that that yeah. being said, it's rewarding as hell. Uh, that being said, I don't plan on doing it again unless I desperately, desperately need to. Um, oh yeah, I want to talk about uh, classes not to use as a uh, template uh, for the non-caster or half-caster, depending on how you want to fucking look at it. The monk, do not use the monk. The monk is not like any other class, and it is it's got a bizarre amount of features because of its lack of uh, both its lack of spells and lack of like fighting style and. Um, and and a lot of proficiencies and whatnot. It's just got this bizarre amount of features. I don't know shit about the monk. I'm really glad we're yeah, doing the we're, next episode. Should be the monk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I wouldn't use the cleric for a full caster either because it it again it's very very specific. It's very specific. When yeah, you're a healer so. and you're normally religious. Yeah. That being said, do whatever you want. I mean, it's your homebrew. Yeah, yeah, you're homebrewing it. If you figure out something cool that works, yeah. do it. That's the whole bit. Yeah, and I think these I are think, just recommendations. Yeah, these are just recommendations. This is how I would do it. So um, I, I hope that this is helpful to like someone trying to thinking about doing this or maybe wanting to do this, but not yeah, maybe knowing you, how to approach yeah, it. Maybe you need a jumping off point. Yeah. This might be that for you yeah. and you need some ideas or like maybe you like something that Will was talking about, but you have this other idea. Oh, I would do this though. And that, right. There you go. Yeah, well, we, hope, we hope we helped you. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And that being said, I think I'm all out of material. I got nothing left to say about home and reflavor except for go out there, guys, make it zesty, make yeah, it, ta- make it, make it tasty, make it. Good. That good mouthfeel. Yeah. There you but go. Let's call it a game. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.